There's also got a couple of things here, but we're seeing this camera from outside. So me. Okay. So um, yesterday we began learning a Fabrengan from 1969 from Shabbos Hanukkah, and due to technical difficulties, the uh, didn't get recorded, and hopefully. Um, It'll get recorded inside of us, which is most important. Uh, huh? It never hurts repeating it. Say again? Never hurts, it never hurts repeating it. It, it, it. Yeah, it has to, the point is it should become part of us, not that it should become part of the uh, YouTube, uh, part, of, or part of our, our uh, yeah. So, what did we learn in the first segment of Febring? I was speaking about the idea of light. That's a major component of Hanukkah. Hanukkah also has a has a, uh, um, a mitzvah to thank Hashem and to praise Hashem. Uh, unlike Purim, where the main mitzvah or a major mitzvah on Purim is to have a meal on Purim, Hanukkah is, it's not officially a mitzvah, although the Rebbe emphasized that we definitely um, should increase in having festive occasions and festive meals on Hanukkah, as there is more darkness in the exile with increase in light. And although it's not such an obligation, it's definitely something that we should we should do as much as possible to increase the light. Um, but, um, so Hanukkah, the major component of Hanukkah is light. And one of the characteristics of light is that light spreads everywhere, even to far places. And not only does a, does a big light spread to far places, like the light of a torch or light of a bonfire, but even a small candle also spreads to every place. There is a difference um, that a lot of light brings that a little bit of light doesn't, and that is one effect of change in a certain place. So a greater light can affect that change. Or to give light to a place where the air is dank, like a cellar. So you need to have the light of a torch. But regarding the characteristic of light spreading everywhere, even to a far place, that's also with even a tiny amount of light. A stronger light is needed to, to for, 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 because, because the air is dank and musty, but the idea of light spreading, doesn't matter how much light you have, even a tiny bit of light spreads everywhere. But when does light spread everywhere? Only if there's something that's not blocking the light. But if there's something blocking the light, whether it's a thick cloud or a thin cloud, um, then the light will, be, will not be able to continue spreading. But if there's nothing that's blocking the light, light will continue even to a faraway place. So what does this mean in the analog? This is all the characteristics of light. What does that have to do with, with us spiritually? What's the meaning of a close place and a distant, distant place? What's the meaning of something which blocks the light? So, the things which are forbidden, things that Hashem tells us not to do, that, that, that are the opposite of Kedusha, that blocks the light. Things that are kosher, there are, among those things which are kosher, things which are, which are closer to Kedusha, and things which are farther from Kedusha. For example, there are some things we do which are meant to uh, prepare for a mitzvah. It's not the mitzvah itself. You, uh, on the way to Shul, not davening, not learning, you're just getting to Shul. You're, you're getting the keys. Last night, someone stopped by my house. He saw me in my house. I was doing something in the car. He very kindly, he told me, listen, Rabbi, you got to, I never met the guy before, he says, you have to make sure you park your car in a way that the back of the car is touching the garage because there's this thing now with people trying to steal the bottom of the car, I don't know what it's called, 
whatever. Catholic, the Catholic converter. Yeah, yeah, the converter, exactly, the converter. And so he's a priest, it's more expensive. So in this neighborhood itself, there's been so many stolen, and it's very kind of him. Anyway, so so, so there, are, there are things which we do which are directly a mitzvah, and things which we do which are just a preparation for a mitzvah. And according to Abeliezer, those things are so vital to the mitzvah that on Shabbos, not only allowed to circumcise the baby, which is a mitzvah that overrides Shabbos, you're also allowed to prepare for the circumcision. And there are other things which aren't necessarily a preparation for the mitzvah, but they're not um, far from holiness. Ah, oh, what does it mean they're not far from holiness? There, for example, there are animals which could become sacrifices to Hashem. They're not just kosher, but they could become sacrifices to Hashem. There's few uh, animals which are eligible to become sacrifices. And there are kosher animals which are ineligible to become sacrifices, so they're farther from the realm of Jewish. So this idea of, of opposing Kedusha, something that... that uh, Locks the light of Hashem versus something which is distant from the light of Hashem exists also in darkness too. There are two opinions about darkness. One opinion about darkness is that darkness is just a lack of light. Another is that there is darkness can be a positive thing, like like, like Corona <coughs> tested positive for Corona. That's the show. So so you can have a positive darkness. Something that so Chizuk says that this mentions both opinions. It means both of them are true. Both of them have truth. I'm sorry, how is Corona positive? Tested positive for Corona. It's a joke, right? You could be tested positive. It's not you. Positive. It's not 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 there is a darkness which is a thing that stops the light. Then there's a darkness which is not a thing, it's just a lack of light. In order to give light to a certain place, you have to first remove all the opposition, preventing the light from reaching there. That's why before Hanukkah, we have the victory of the war over the Ivanim, over the Greeks. The, deal, the victory of the war is to remove the opposition. And now it's possible on Hanukkah, it says in the Torah, it says in the Al-Nisim, in the Hanes they lit candles in the courtyards. And the Rebbe explains, not just referring to the Beis HaMikdash, because Beis HaMikdash was in the courtyard, that was deeper, the menorah was deeper in the Beis HaMikdash. But there was, it was a celebration, everyone was lighting candles until today. So light reached everywhere. It's, it's starting from one small candle, and, and it goes everywhere, because light spreads. So the first step in creating that light that can reach everywhere is removing the opposition. And so, to um, when we light the candles, what time do we light the candles? We light the candles specifically when the sun sets, which the sun setting is again just that there's not there's no force of opposition. It's just it's just a lack of light, and then we light the menorah, and that that pushes away the darkness. So, in general, I think that um, in our time, certainly the main focus has to be in adding a light. But in general, it mentions here that the usual order before the end of the exile, the usual order uh, is that you first remove darkness and then you increase in light. But I just mentioned based on the in other places, and like for example, in the, when it speaks about the plagues, about how the plague of blood goes before the plague of frogs, it mentions that 
the plague of frogs is associated with being frigid to things which are unholy. Frogs are cold-blooded animals. And the plague of blood, blood is, represents enthusiasm and warmth, represents our excitement about holiness. What comes first? You'd think you have to have the frogs before the blood. The Rebbe says that if to go and start off with, with the blood, start off with warmth and holiness, and that will push away the, the darkness. So, but the, the order of the arrangement of the holiday of Hanukkah is in a way that first there is the destruction of the enemy, the removing of the, what blocks the light, and then we bring in the light of the menorah. And the light of the menorah is so powerful, the Gemara, in discussing the light of the menorah, it says that you're allowed to light the menorah until those tarmudayim stop walking around the marketplace. Who are the tarmudayim? So Rashi says there was this nation, it sounds like they were like gypsies who would gather wood later on in the marketplace. Uh, Rashi says that, was, and then Rashi says others comment that there was a nation that Shlomo Melch hired to build a base of Migdash and they rebelled against Shlomo, and that's what they called Tarmudoy. Tarmudoy has the same letters as the word Meredes, which means to rebel. So when the Gemara says, let a light menorah until they leave the marketplace, it's not just talking about a physical thing. Light the menorah until they leave the marketplace. It's saying the power of the menorah is such that it could remove the this kind of sentiment in the marketplace. The marketplace means a place where there are many forces. The translation of the Hebrew word marketplace is the, the literal translation is a domain that belongs to many. So that it's that it's the opposite of the truth. The truth is all there is a domain that belongs to Lana. Every the whole world is just the, the domain of Hashem. But the the Rushasarab means there's a domain which feels that there's many forces there. That's how it feels. So the power of the menorah the Gemara says the original mitzvah of the menorah, nowadays we don't do this, but the original mitzvah of the menorah was like the menorah outside, in the, in, in the, in the Rishus Harab, in the place of many, and to light the menorah there until it achieves that the, those who are in the marketplace, the Tarmudoim, until there's a, feel, a, feel, a sentiment of rebellion, which exists in ourselves, which exists in others. So the power of the light of the menorah is to transform the rebellion, to take away the rebellion. And actually, elsewhere, it says, Kalya doesn't just mean to finish, Kali comes from the word Kleis HaNefesh. Kleis HaNefesh means to have a yearning for Hashem in an infinite way. So, um, and when is this achieved? Ever since it's achieved in the first night of Hanukkah. Because when you light one candle, that already spreads everywhere. How much more so when you add more and more candles of the menorah, that this influences all places. And, it, and the conclusion of the first part of this Fabring never emphasizes an amazing, amazing point. Why it's called Hanukkah? Hanukkah means inauguration. So the original inauguration, the Vesem Migdash of the Mishkan, Aaron was felt very bad. Why did he feel very bad? Because everyone else brought sacrifices and he couldn't bring a sacrifice. He wasn't, he wasn't invited. So Hashem told Aaron, don't feel bad. Your portion is better than everybody else. Why is it better than everybody else? Because everyone else just brings sacrifices for a day, but you're bringing, doing the menorah, which will never stop. So the question is, and that will never stop, okay, throughout the time that there's a Mishkan, when there's a Mishkan, when there's a second Mishkan, when there's a second then it, there's a service every day, but then it, it stops. So Ramban says, no, it doesn't stop. It continues on through the miracle of Hanukkah. When there was another Hanukkah, when there was another inauguration to the Mishkan, when the Yavonim desecrated the Mishkan, and we had to re-inaugurate the, 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 the Mishkan, that's why it's called Hanukkah, because we re-inaugurated the temple. It wasn't that it was rebuilt, it was just re-inaugurated. So then the miracle of Hanukkah caused that we celebrate the menorah everywhere, even after Beis is destroyed. The light that was brought down to the Messiah's Nefesh, the sacrifice of the Makkah, was such great light that it, that, it, that it affects us till today that we still like the menorah. That's what, that's what the Ramban says. 
The Rebbe says something more. According to Ramban, it's also limited. It's only in Hanukkah. The Rebbe says, no, it's not just only in Hanukkah. A Yid lights a Manera. It's not just that it lasts forever because you can do this every year. But right now, when you light the menorah, it's also eternal forever. And not just the eternal way that's above the world, but it's the eternal way that it, it, it comes into time and into space, and it affects in, in, in the world this Indian, the idea of, of eternity. And that's the reason we have to, after we say Shema, we affirm the oneness of Hashem, we say, we say Baruch Shem. Why do we say Baruch Shem? Baruch Shem literally means, blessed is the name of the glory of the sovereignty forever and ever. Why, what, what, does that, what does that mean? We want, Baruch also means to draw down, not just to, to bless. We want the truth that we said in Shema, it should be Baruch, it should be brought down, we should see it. The Mashiach should come, it should be revealed in the physical world, that Hashem Echad. So after we say Hashem Echad, Hashem is what we want to be Baruch, to be brought down. And that's affected by, it's the same thing that the menorah does. It brings the truth of Hashem in every place, in every time, forever. And that's the reason why at the conclusion of Shema, we right away say the word Emes. Emes means truth. And emes is something which is in er- truth is something which is in all places and all times. So the idea of emes is we want the truth of the, of the Shema to be revealed in the world. And as a pasuk says, Mashiach will come, that all flesh will see that Hashem, all, all flesh will see the glory of Hashem. Okay, that was the the first segment of Febrang. Let's go now on page Yudchav Gimel, uh, line uh, nine. There was a Fabrengen of the Rebbe that, the Rebbe that was just printed before the Rebbe gave this Fabrengen. So I was, I was talking about this this uh, edited edited talk of his, um, and he's and he's talk and he makes a comment about it. It says that Rashi quotes the words of Yaakov, that Yaakov says to Esav, I will get, come to my master and say, when will I come to Esav? I will come to Esav, and Mashiach will come. It says in the Torah, the Mashiach, that saviors will come on the mountain of Zion to judge Esav. So Yaakov says that I will then come to Esav. It means it's our chalabim to understand. Yeah, you're familiar with this, right? Yaakov says to Esav, I'm going to come to see you when Mashiach comes, then, 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 then I will see Um... That, that makes makes a comment. He says there was a there was a mistake in the printing, and he says I can't complain about the printers. They're Talmud Chachamim, and they're such wise people. How can they make a mistake? Why can't I complain about them? Because it's halacha that if someone runs on Friday and he acts why he's running, he actually hints, he accidentally hits somebody. He's not obligated to pay for hurting the person that he hits because. You're supposed to run on Friday. He was running when he was allowed to run. He's supposed to run. Not Arab Shabbos. So too, they said they had to uh, quickly print this before Shabbos. And because of their, their speed, there was a mistake. But either way, they said they should fix the mistake. Okay. Yaakov was one of the, our three patriarchs. There are only three people we call our patriarchs. Yaakov wasn't just one of the three. He is called the chosen one of all Three patriarchs. He is number one. Not only that, Yaakov's attribute is truth. As the Torah says, and we say in our prayers, give truth to Yaakov. Yaakov is associated with truth. It doesn't mean that Yaakov doesn't have truth. It's like the Gemara says elsewhere, give wisdom to those who are wise. 
words, Yaakov is the attribute of truth. Therefore, we ask Hashem to give him truth because he's a receptacle. He's, he's a vessel for truth. And since Yaakov practically never visited Esav, until today, we are still suffering in the exile of Esav, the exile of Edom. In Esau's mind, what is Yaakov saying to him? I'm going to see you soon when I come to Seir. So how could Yaakov say to Esau, I will, I will be there in Seir, and, ya- and he knows that Esau doesn't understand that he's referring to the time of Mashiach. He, doesn't, he knows that Esau doesn't, doesn't, doesn't re- it's not registering by Esau what he means. So in Esau's mind, Yaakov's lying. How could Yaakov say something which is which is which is perceived as not something which is not true? Achayin, the explanation is the five-year-old who learns the Torah. Rashi wrote his explanation for a child beginning to learn Chumash. So a child understands that Yaakov says the truth. And Yaakov actually meant Mashiach should come right now. Yaakov was ready for the Gula at that time. The only reason that the, the, the Gula didn't come then yet was because, as Yaakov said, the children are young, this, the, the sheep is going to, if, I, if they could go too fast, it's going to die. What Yaakov meant was, I'm ready for Mashiach, just not everyone, not everyone with me is ready for Mashiach. But Yaakov, he's telling Esau, I'm going to see Mashiach will come. Yaakov is ready for Mashiach. So it wasn't he was telling him about that Mashiach is going to come in 2022. Yaakov is saying, I'll see you soon, Mashiach comes. I'm ready. And this is something that a child understands. And it's the reason why Rashi is conveying this message to the child that Yaakov is saying, I'm going to see you soon, Mashiach will come, because this is something that a child has to know. This is something which is pertinent to a child's education. A child has to feel that he is the one is going to bring Mashiach. That if he'll act the way he's supposed to, Mashiach will come. I, I can't get over this. I, I shared this on Shabbos. On, uh, uh, well, I picked my daughter, uh, who was eight years old, and she from school on Friday. She comes in the car, with the sweatshirt they give, they give me out in the in the Bishkai Mushka. Tati, I'm going to light up LA in the world. Why? Because it, because she's going to give another Jew a around. She's going to she, we're going to do it. Like what are you talking about? This is light the whole entire world. That's the way a child's supposed to be educated. That they're supposed to feel yes, I could light up the whole entire world. I, if I act the way I'm supposed to, as I told Aguila that the Gula will come. That's why Yaakov. That's what Rashi includes in the explanation of the Chumash, how Yaakov is saying this, I'll see you soon. Yaakov wasn't lying. He said, I will see you soon. I'm ready for Gula. I, if I will act the way I'm supposed to, the child is supposed to learn from Rashi, Mashiach will come. As Ramam says, a person has to look at the whole world like it's on a scale, and with one good thought, one good word, one good action, can tip the scale and bring the Gula. That's, so therefore, Yaakov says to Esav, I will see you soon. He's not saying to him, I'll see you in 2022. I'll see you in any second. Just have, just have to do the last mitzvah, Mashiach will come. Next page. In the This idea of teaching our children is very relevant to Hanukkah because Hanukkah is associated with education. The word Hanukkah means education. One second. Didn't we just say a second ago that Hanukkah is about inaugurating the temple? How does that have to do with educating children? 
Although Hanukkah is associated with inaugurating the temple, educating, so to speak, the temple, However, the Tzemach Tzedek writes, and Alter Rebbe writes, that Hanukkah is also especially associated not just with, with inaugurating the temple, but with educating a child. And the Torah says when you educate a child, educate the child according to their path. And Alter Rebbe says, although their path isn't absolutely true, Still, you have to go look at the child and see what they need. Rebbe once was coming to 770, and he was leaving his home, and there was a child who was visiting, I think he was visiting from England, if I remember correctly. And he was a child who was very interested in not missing one moment with the Rebbe. So whenever the Rebbe came out, he wanted to see the Rebbe. So, but he was trying to figure out how could he see the Rebbe when the Rebbe leaves his house, and also see the Rebbe when the Rebbe arrives in 770. So he ran. Never told the driver to slow down. The driver said, How slow? He said, As slow as the child. Go in the face of the child. That's the meaning of education. Education is how education? Every child, according to the way the child is. Okay. Education has to be according to the way of the one who is being educated. You cannot go with the whole sternness and sharpness according to what you're up to. You're not going to accomplish anything. You have to go according to the way the child, the one you're trying to educate, is where they are. And although you are educating the child according to their way, so you're thinking like, okay, this guy is not going to get what he needs to get because he's just not ready for it. However, God promises in the Torah to the educator and gives the educator the power that the education will be successful. What does the end of the verse say? Even though he will become old, he will not leave this path. Educate the child according to their way, and then, even when they become old, they will not veer from this path. Since you're educating the child according to the Torah of truth, and truth is something that influences and inspires forever. Even when the child will become 70 years old, or 80 years old, or 120 years old, and the child's children, and the child's children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren until the end of time will all be affected positively how by you dumbing it down, in other words. By you giving the child according to the way they are, and think, oh, well, it's, 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 it's so little I'm giving the child. However, that says it's the opposite. You're doing, you're doing the truth. We do truth. Truth is something which lasts forever. This applies to the education of boys and girls. A girl will eventually grow to become a Karis Abayas, a mainstay of a home, and she will educate all of her children. So this certainly applies to girls as well. And this is a power of, of education, that education has a, is infinite power. Because through education, you, you raise up a generation, and fruits, which bear more fruits, that goes on forever and ever. And just like when we left Egypt, so the Torah says the Jewish people raised in Egypt the army of Hashem, they left Egypt with their, their young and their old, with their sons and their daughters, and no, no one remained in Egypt, not even any animals of the Jewish people remained in Egypt. So too, when we depart from this exile, by raising our army of Hashem, 
we will go to greet Mashiach Sakenu, he come and redeem us speedily, Mamish. Chaim. 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 <coughs> to go a little bit further, this third segment of the uh, you know I don't like, I like, like losing a, a, a minute of chassidus we have. I'll, I'll try to uh, do as much as we can. Never ask a question. Um, when you educate the child, right, the Torah promises you that your child, that when you're educating, will be able to retain this. But what do you gain from this? Um, the mitzvah. I'm sorry. I need to educate him according to his way. But what is he going to gain, rather, from this way? It's, it, what is he gaining by this being in this limited way according to his path? What, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the gain of, over here? For example, when someone comes here, that was referring to the Pagisha. They have, they have every uh, several times a year encounter with Chavan and Crown Heights. They invite all these non-religious people to check out a Hasidic community. So people come, someone comes here at the Ephesus for a short amount of time, for one Shabbos. And even if he comes on Friday and stays till Sunday, it's just a small amount of time. So what's going to be the impact later on when I'll go back home, which everything he goes, everything that's done back home is the opposite of what he sees here. What's the point? Of, edu- of, of, of just this temporary um, visit? And the answer is, it's like planting a seed. Although it's a very tiny seed, and the seed has no taste, and the seed has no fragrance, yet from this seed there's a tree that grows with lots and lots of fruits. And so too by the Jewish people, the Moshantah says that every Jew is a, 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 a land which has incredible resources. The Moshantah says no, no one will ever understand the resources that are in the soil, and so too no one will ever understand the incredible resources that are in every Jew. And therefore, although it seems like it's a small amount of time, it has an, it has an everlasting, in, 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 uh, everlasting impact. And it says in the Torah that when you do something with truth, the lips of truth last forever. When you tell this person the truth, this person came for a small amount of time to your home, to, to 770, wherever he came, comes, and you share with them the truth, and you show them what real, the true behavior is supposed to be, it has an everlasting effect. So although it's a small amount of time in quantity, it can have an impact for a long time, not just for yourself, but to end it, not just for him, but for all the generations. So, it's, it's, it's an example of this is like a merchant. You tell the guy, put a dollar in the business, nor that he'll be able to gain millions and billions of dollars. So if, if you're able to possibly gain millions and billions of dollars, you for sure you put a dollar in. So too over here. When you claim, I don't see what it's going to do. I don't see how this is going to have any effect. Even for a doubt, it's worthwhile they should come here for a Shabbos, as it says, although they could, you, although we could stay at home, and they could have a Gishmak at home, and so, so why should I go and, and try to participate in this thing and help these Jews who are visiting 770 for Shabbos, as it says, it, 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 when, when, you're, you, when you're going to, to, to come here and to help make, arrange this, 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 this encounter with Chabad for those Jews who are visiting, it's not a Gishmak for you. Um, it's worth, the says, to invest in this, even though it may not be gishmak for you, and there's a new, new method that you're not used to, and it's not something you heard of or saw before, and um, and then Shabbos is a general halacha that we don't read it, a Torah portion, uh, I'm not sure what that was referring to, it says you don't read on Shabbos a Torah portion that was never read before. Uh, but, uh, do you know what that was referring to? no? Ah, uh, sorry, that was I read before. Could be, I have no idea. Yeah. So, um, 
and Kirin Lohem Batchil Parsha Elsha Elsha Likaru Bayum Bidech Shabbos. It's lost the Talmud Tayyar Al Tareva, Perakalah Al Lachayud. Okay, anyways, so, so, so the guy says, I never, I'm not used to this, I'm going to, going, I'm going to go to this event, encounter with Chabad, I'm not used to it, I know what this is about. Nebbe says that it's worth investing in this because this will have an, even if you're not sure it will have an impact, because, because uh, it, it certainly will have an impact to the end of all time. And so to all education, when you educate a child according to their way, you think it's not really true, the child's not really getting the full truth. Nevertheless, although you're approaching the child with his, according to his way, using parables, but it has the whole MS in this education, and, and it may seem to not have an effect. Ever says that the Torah promises that this does have an everlasting effect. Do you continue? It's being a mentor.